Hi, everyone. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Alexa Montobel, the founder of LearnVest. She is a prolific author. Her newest book comes out today called Financially Forward, and she just started a venture capital firm called Inspired Capital. Alexa is also a mom of two and a half children. So, wow. Talk about doing it all and running on all cylinders. We talk about her early career, uh, the challenges she's had, and how she just keeps getting inspired to start new things in her life. Take a listen. So I'm sitting here with Alexa Von Tobel, the founder of Inspired Capital. That's so exciting to say. It's so exciting to hear. Because <laughs> you've been in stealth mode for a while. I was just asking you, how did we meet? And we don't know how we met. Well, I think first, I definitely like admired you from afar for a long time. And then I think you once invited me to one of your shows. Um, yeah, had like a really cool tech show. Like it was really tech women. Yeah, it was amazing. And then we have kids. And then your husband, duh. Um, Your husband and I worked together on like a project. Um, That's right. We did a bunch of video stuff together. And so, yeah, I just feel like, and then finally we actually became our own friends. Yes. That I remember the night it was at a Brit and Co dinner and we got to actually like talk for longer than a few minutes without being interrupted by children. And we were both pregnant. Yes. Right. And now you're pregnant again. And now I'm pregnant again. <laughs> Be careful. It's contagious. So <laughs> something's in the water. Um, I must say, when you told me you were pregnant with a third, I got really jealous. Even though I have a third, I was like, I want that to just happen to me. You're so cute. I want to fall into pregnancy. Uh, be careful. It's like when you are like really <laughs> wanting to get pregnant, it takes a while. And when you're just like, here, we'll see. Boom. <laughs> Man. Yes. Tell me about your journey. We don't have to do a long uh, Guy Raz episode, but yep. I would love to hear a little bit about like what got you interested in money and finance and investing. Yeah, it was so simple. So um, I always say the best ideas are the most obvious, they're the simplest. And I'd gone, I grew up, you know, normal everything, grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, was born in Kentucky and went to Harvard College. And when I graduated, I was going to like, you know, had a big job on Wall Street. And I remember thinking to myself, I have zero idea how many credit cards to have, what I can afford in rent. And I was like, definitely like, how do I not mess up my finances? And I realized I was like, there's nothing. There's no service to help me. And when I was younger, my dad had passed away. My mom overnight had three kids, was like managing the finances for our house. She'd never done it. And I remember having this really lucid moment that was like, I just always want to be good at the basics of personal finance. Not, I don't need to have a gazillion dollars, but I don't want to worry about money. And so there, when I was graduating from college, I simply said to myself, where am I supposed to go? It's not like I'm sitting here with a big pile of money such that people want to give me help. And I just said, I'm going to go build it. That should exist. Uh, there should be a great platform. And so LearnVest was born. Um, and it ended up becoming a kind of millennial-focused platform for uh, personal finance, content tools, and advice. And then we became financial planning software and got acquired. So it was a really interesting adventure. And I became a financial planner through the, the entire process and a best-selling author and all those things because I wanted, you know, if I was going to go build it, I had to become an expert. And so I made myself do that. And so how did you know where to look to teach yourself these tools so that you could then teach others? Yeah. So it was a lot of nonstop work. So first, there wasn't a really great platform out there that I admired that could help 
people of all shapes and sizes across America. So the American wallet didn't matter if you were 25, 55, didn't matter if you had $25,000 or, you know, $25 million. It was like, where do you go to get great tools for your wallet? And I just didn't feel like something existed. And so I started just talking to everybody, running focus groups and asking people, what do you want? And everyone basically said, I want to be told what to do. And I want somebody I trust. And I want a fair price to get advice. And so that's what Learn Best became. Um, we were TurboTax meets financial planning. So we could take any family in America and in about a minute, run a full financial plan. Uh, so I'm a certified financial planner. It was in a full financial plan covers everything, your credit cards, your emergency savings needs, debt, the kids you want to have or do have, <laughs> their school education, your mortgage. It covers it all in one document, in one place. And it's a roadmap. It's kind of literally like a, a plan of like, here's exactly where you're going to go. And it's amazing. And once you get one, you're like, this is amazing. And so we started watching people in focus groups, but God, this feels incredible. And we're like, money doesn't have to be awful. And that's what Learn Best was all about. Wow. And how did you create the type of scenario where the amount of passion and sort of users attracted to it propelled it? Or how did you know that you were creating something that made that happen? So first, we had this incredible team of people. Everyone that was senior at LearnBest, you know, our head of product was a certified financial planner. We had our product managers became certified financial planners. A CFP, which is what I am, is like a doctor of money. Um, you basically have Ooh, to- I like that. Yeah, I you wish you could just say you're a doctor of money instead. Yeah, no, exactly. My whole family's in medicine and they're like, you are definitely not a doctor, Alexa. You're the black <laughs> sheep and you didn't go to medical school. So that's for you guys. I love all of you. The, the kind of punchline there was, how did we know like what people wanted? We listened to customers. So just probably like you do with fashion, like, you know, when you like make something beautiful that people are obsessed with. Um, I think you had like a yellow dress that you brought back once that like everyone was really excited about. And you were like, we're doing a special collection because everybody wants it. Same thing here. It was just like we were really listening to users feedback and building it, looking at the data and what we found was, for example, our call center was open 24 hours a day because we found that people were like, when do you deal with financial planning? Not during your working hours. You're not talking about your finances sitting at work on the phone with like your, you know, your coworker next no, to you. No, you do it instead of having sex. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. You literally do it instead of having sex. Nights and weekends, early in the morning, that's precisely when you financial plan. So we're like, the call center has to be open all the time. And and we also then said, how do we infuse delight into a financial plan? It's just little things, little rewards, like uh, cheers of encouragement, all these things that we made it so that people were actually like, this is really fun. So, so was it difficult being that you were a woman launching something that had never been done before? Um, people ask me this question all the time. I know. And I had, I had yeah, to ask yeah. it. And so I dropped out of business school. I, I dropped out of Harvard Business School December 18th of 2008, bottom of the worst recession, 81 years, moved to New York. I was 24, 25 years old and had never started a company, like was first-time founder, sole founder. And I think I just said everything's going to be hard. So it's like I could sit here and be worried that I'm a woman or that I'm first-time entrepreneur or that I'm young or that I'm blonde. And I just literally said, I don't have time to worry about those things. And I just put my head down. And literally at 30, we got acquired for a few hundred million dollars by Northwestern Mutual. And that whole period of time, that six and a half years, five years since we launched the company, we got acquired on our five-year birthday. All I did 
I just had this motto in my head that was like, put your head down and just work hard. Like, stay humble, put your head down, work hard. And it just went through my head every day. And honestly, I just didn't have the capacity to worry about, I'm a woman in finance and tech, by the way, both of which there's so few women. Right. And then I was the intersection of both. Right. So it was just like, I was, and I have told a brother, so I was just always used to being the only girl around anyways. So I was just like, whatever, yeah, par for the course. But in retrospect, you know, maybe it was an advantage, maybe it was a disadvantage. I don't know. But either way, I said, I'm going to outwork everybody around me. And that was kind of what was in my head. I'm proposing a theory that if you have two older brothers, you don't have those concerns because you're just at the, what is it, the beck and call of these two older people <laughs> and you got to be strong, right? Yeah. And I had two older brothers too. Yeah. And I and I didn't have those same concerns when I launched either. And I'm and now I'm like, hmm, maybe there's a thing here. Maybe there's a pattern. Yeah, there is. And I, so one of my brothers is eight years older than me and the other is four years older than me. And it was kind of like, Alexa, if you want to, if I wanted to hang out with anybody or play with anybody, it was just like, I had to keep up. Totally. It wasn't like, uh, we're going to slow down or like, we're going to ride our bike slower. It was like, you literally have to just keep up. Um, and Travis and Brandon, if you're out there, they were so they were such good big brothers and so tough on me too. Like definitely did not, <laughs> did not hold back. No. And as a result, I mean, I do think it's like I just developed a coarseness and a toughness and a resilience that I think is, as you know yourself, in how strong, important is our resilience as entrepreneurs? Oh, it has to be, you have to be like made of steel at this point because you face failure. I mean, I feel like I face it every day. Every day I'm like, what's going to go wrong today? Because it's going to be at least two things. (laughs) Somebody who works with me um, once said, she was like, Alexa, people always ask what it's like to work with you. And of course, I'm like, what is it like to work with me? And she's like, you like get punched almost in the face every day. (laughs) She's like, and you don't even notice. And because just like something goes wrong every day. And since I now expect that to be like morning. (laughs) Yep. You just, you kind of face it with like a different attitude. And I'm sure in your own line of work, like you just get to the point where it's kind of like, that's a Wednesday. It's part for the course. Yeah. And you just start being like, also nothing breaks you, right? Like there's so few things that really can like fundamentally ruin the business. Those things you got to pay close attention to. That's like integrity issues. But other than that, you're like, we can handle, you know, people changes and business changes and, and market change. And yeah. Weather the storms. Yeah. Yes. So what was it like? What it, was it emotionally like to sell your baby? Were you ready? <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> Were you scared? Yeah. So first of all, it was we weren't looking to get acquired. So we got acquired March 25th of 2015. I can prove that we weren't ready and looking to get acquired because I was nine months pregnant, literally when we got acquired. Oh, my um, gosh. I had my daughter on March 31st. I went into labor on like March 29th. So a few days after the acquisition, literally sent my into labor uh, about a week and a half early. And Northwestern Mutual is this great, massive company out of uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, 161-year-old insurance company. The CEO is this phenomenal guy named John Schlipsky. And he came to me and said, your value system is that you believe every American should get a financial plan. And he was like, that's been our value system since you know literally 161 years ago. And he was like, what if we teamed up and took your technology and your software and brought it to more people? And again, back to like my roots, that's I literally started the company to 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 help people, and I believed it was the right thing that should exist and um, for my own personal story, and it was just that simple. And so I said, okay, well, let's see if this could work. And we went through the whole negotiation process and um, came to a place where everybody thought it was the right thing to do and a, a great a great situation. And so we went through it. And I will say, 
if your values are aligned with who acquires you, um, it makes, you know, it is like Learn Best was like a first child. And uh, I just cared about everything. I cared about the customers so much, the team so much, the mission, the brand. Um, and then having that in somebody else's hands, they were really, really good about it being in their hands. They treated me really well. They were one of the best companies to work for. And and I worked there for four years after. I mean, it really was and a chief digital officer, then chief innovation officer on the management team of the whole company. It's like, Imagine like having your child go to the hospital and somebody else gets to decide what the treatment is. Like that's hard right. for any entrepreneur. And luckily I didn't have too many of those moments because I think it, it just it's like your child. You care so much. But yeah, it's it's definitely like something that life doesn't prepare you for. So was your life as a mom and uh, as a as someone with a growing family easier? Once you were acquired and you weren't the CEO. Yeah. So a few things I'll say. First, people always ask me, like, work-life balance. How do you figure I'm it out? I'm not asking the balance question. Yep. And, and punchline, like, I have two kids and a third on the way. And um, one thing that I realized, what made things easy is if you love your job. Like, everything works if you're really happy at work. And so post our acquisition, I was still CEO of LearnVest and I had two jobs and, you know, uh, responsible for the digital uh, strategy for Northwestern Mutual. And I was so engaged that it, it was getting a great part of my brain. I was doing really fun work. And so it did work. I worked just as hard after the acquisition. So that's one thing I think that entrepreneurs think is like you take your company and you get acquired and then it's like you sit on the beach somewhere. You have to be an employee. Yeah, yeah. There was <laughs> definitely not a beach for me somewhere. Um, there were days where I was like, I'm working harder post the acquisition than I did pre the acquisition. But with like the whole juggle of everything and with kids, like what was really great was that I really liked what I was doing. Um, and it was just at a different scale and across, you know, millions of users and things like that. So- what do you think your hardest challenge or challenges have been to date? And what did you do to overcome them? It could be personal or professional. Yeah, I think the biggest, I'll go personal um, because that's far more interesting. I mean, I, I really think that the biggest challenges for me have been my own personal growth through this. And I think when I look back at other entrepreneurs, you know, I'm developing my own toolkit. And especially now that I run a venture fund and Inspired Capital is all about entrepreneurs who have built and sold companies supporting other entrepreneurs who want to build and sell companies. And if I was an entrepreneur, I like my best advisors were always the people who built and sold companies. They just had been through it. They got the tremendous complexity of that. But one of the things I learned is probably the hardest thing to scale through any business is the entrepreneur. Like the amount of personal growth you have to go through, the things that you have to get over, let go of, be willing to give other people X role, which means your opinion isn't like at the table per se. Those moments of personal growth or like things that I just plainly sucked at, like there were many. <laughs> and people would, I could always tell, I was like, oh man, they're being polite. Like, oh, Alexa, like maybe so-and-so should. And I'm like, I get it. I'm not doing a good job. It's okay. <laughs> and and that's hard. Like yeah. that personal growth, you can't like pack into a week and just like go to, a, you know, a retreat somewhere and come back change. Like change is hard. Personal growth is hard. And lots of things. Like for me, literally learning how to like take care of myself so that I could like get sleep and exercise so that I wasn't so fried or um, working on letting go of things that I loved or not trying to do too many things at one time. All of those things mattered. And so for me, I had an executive coach that I hired and it was like just game changing. And it sucked at the time. Like I actually 
remember being like, I put my hand up and asked my board. I said, if everybody's okay with it, I'd like to hire an executive coach. And I, I'm an athlete. So I was a, I dove platform at Harvard, um, literally like springboard and platform and like, which is like nuts who hurls themselves off a platform. Not me. Um, <laughs> and I kind of just had this moment where I was like, I've always relied on a coach to do something really well, like a trainer who kicks your butt and like just makes you do more. Why wouldn't I have one as a CEO? Right. So I punchline hired somebody and that uh, my coach went and interviewed everybody. And in my head, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, did I sign up for this? And my husband was like, you signed up for this. Remember, like, this was your little brainchild of an idea, kiddo. And so I ended up just like being like, relax, lean into it. And um, I told an entrepreneur this morning, an amazing entrepreneur of a really big company that we all know who called me for advice. And I said, lean into pain, just lean into it. And it's Ugh. it's so true. It is. You know the worst things that you've got to get better at. And you know when you're bad at something. And you know when your business has that one problem that you kind of really want to avoid because you're trying to avoid the person because you don't want to make the hard call. Lean in. Right. Those are the moments where you need to lean into pain. Not the Sheryl Sandberg lean in, everyone. You know, this is like <laughs> lean into your worst problems and own them <laughs> and clean them up. And your life just gets better by doing so. And you grow. And also just like give yourself a minute. You're never going to be perfect. I am not perfect. In fact, I'm like, I would happily be the poster child of imperfection because I've failed. I've messed things up. I've gotten things wrong. I've not been my best self. We're all human and that's okay. And just learning to keep getting better is kind of, I think, the goal. And so for me, having that coach was a credible way where I had somebody that simply I had to check in with and say, yeah, I still need to do a better job at that, don't I? And it was just, it was so therapeutic and really helpful. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And was it hard at first to hear th this coach, like, give you the criticisms? Of course. Yeah. And I know one thing, so I did have a big aha moment over the last now, like, eight years of coaching and all the things that I've been blessed to, like, be able to have. And coaching is not inexpensive, by the way. So it's, like, not a thing that, like, everybody can do. I recognize that. One of the things that I really realized was really honest feedback is a gift because most people don't give it to you. Yeah. Even your own best friends and like your family gives it to you. And so I always ask people, I'm like, tell me a negative thing you've heard that your boss and your spouse or sibling has told you. Because whatever that same thing is, is the thing you're really bad at. Ooh, I just thought of one. Because <laughs> um, if like my husband says it to me and like right. the people I work with say it to me, it's like, I know it's true. You know, it's true. Totally different context, same problem, right? But what I started realizing is like genuine feedback 
is so rare because your best friends don't want to take the one hour they get to have a glass of wine with you and tell you how much you suck at being a listener right. or how you do X, Y, and Z wrong or just your friends aren't always going to take the time. They, they love you. That doesn't mean they don't love you. It's just they're not. They're like they've got their own plates full. Yeah. So feedback is a really big gift. And so I started realizing that like actually as much as it sucks to hear the myriad of things that we're all not doing perfectly – it's actually a really big gift to actually get that feedback because then you can actually do something about it. Yep. So switching gears here before we talk about your newest venture, <laughs> what makes it so hard for women to talk about money, to feel comfortable about money? We'll talk about sex. I think I interviewed Patty Sellers. She's like, women will talk about sex all day long, but they won't talk about money. Why? So this is a really, this is actually goes back to history, which is if you go back to even 1950s, women weren't allowed to own land. Women couldn't get credit cards. And it wasn't because um, women were women. It was because women didn't have jobs. And so we actually know what we see growing up. It is like wired. And there's a lot of really great psychology studies that whatever environment you saw growing up financially speaking, you tend to mirror in your, it's just a pattern recognition thing. So a lot of us grew up in households where dads tend to handle finances, moms tend to do less. If you look back, why was that happening? Well, most of the times, many moms didn't work. I had a working mom my whole life, but many moms didn't work, not because you know, it was just societally, we didn't have a lot of women working. Between 2000 and 2010, 68%, um, there was a 68% increase in what women earned in, in the country. And that wasn't because all of a sudden everybody got raises. It was just because more women started going to work. So we're through this incredible era of the modern family. Both parents are now working. So our children will see mom and dads both working, talking about money often equally. But we grew up from a society where our grandparents, most of our grandmothers did not have jobs. Right. Mine also did, blue collar family um, on my mom's side of the family. But then you fast forward, that's what we saw. So one, it was like impolite to talk about money. Two, we perceived that men handle money, women handle like maybe budgets or spending. And as a result, it just ingrained in us. And so we just have to rechange that that negotiation point and that that strategy, which is like, it's a life skill. Just like you have to learn how to brush your teeth and take care of yourself. Money is a lifeline. It is there every day, six to 10 times a day we make a money decision, men and women. Wow. So how on earth can you not be good at it? Like, it's just vital. Right. So this led you, um, so you were at Northwestern. Yep. For four years, and then you're like, "Oh, I'm not busy enough. <laughs> I'm <laughs> gonna go write go, a book. <laughs> I'm gonna go write a book and start. The book is out today, May 14th. I mean, today's not May 14th, but we're launching this episode today. It's called Financially Forward: How to Use Today's Digital Tools to Earn More, Save Better, and Spend Smarter. So you wrote a book, and you started Inspired Capital. Yep. What, what and I'm was, having a third baby. And you're having a third baby. So, so please tell go. me why you took that upon yourself. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so last year, so first the book, Financially Forward, um, which um, my my first book, Financially Fearless, um, was a bestseller. And I just believe in, again, giving good, incredibly simple common sense advice that anybody, all shapes and sizes, can read and boom, really understand what to do. So that's what this is. But the world's changed a lot in the last five years and technology is different and all of the questions we have from how should I use the internet to better take care of my wallet and what should I automate and what should I not? How do I like shop incredibly smartly? What are 
every important trick and hack and ways to save on the internet. We covered it. What are all the tools and apps that you should actually download? And what are the top three to five that you absolutely should have on your phone to take care of it? And then what's the future of money? Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, all the stuff that we all hear. You know, again, I kind of keep it simple. I was going to cocktail parties and everybody was asking me, Alexa, what the heck's Bitcoin and what do I care about? And should I buy some? No. Uh, uh, and, and the <laughs> don't pun- buy any. <laughs> no. Um, don't run out and buy anything. Save in your 401k first. Um, but so I just said, I'm going to go write a really super thoughtful guide on the future of your wallet and what you need to know. And it's really, it's like, it actually is a beach read. And that's kind of my value system. And I'm a busy mom and I keep it simple and get straight to the point for everybody. So yeah, so that's the book, um, which I'm really excited about. And there's just lots of cool people and their best money advice in it as well. And then my venture fund, I'm an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Uh, I have made all mistakes, uh, ups and downs, and it looks like a fairy tale from the outside because I like sold my company for hundreds of millions of dollars and had a baby in the same week. Like, looks like I figured easy. it so easy. Is so easy. It's a Wednesday. It was the exact opposite. It was like every hard thing that goes into it. And um, I love entrepreneurs um, and supporting them, believing in them. And so, yeah, so my, my new gig is about finding the best entrepreneurs in the country and helping them get access to mentors, advisors, and helping them build companies. And I'm a builder's builder. So nothing is more fun for me than getting in the trenches with an entrepreneur and helping them solve really hard problems. Um, and sometimes just also being there because it's really lonely, as you know, Rebecca. It is lonely. It's so, think We're about alone. it. We're alone. It's come, so Come lonely. be our friend. <laughs> Please be our friend. <laughs> so since you have done the hard work, what are some of your favorite apps that we all need on our phone that I'm going to go download soon? Um, so I think when it comes to your wallet, uh, you should have one brokerage account, whether it's Schwab, Fidelity, et cetera. You should have your one credit card uh, that is your main credit card that you download that gives you all the free points. So those are the two, I would say, most important. And then you want some sort of aggregator. So um, whether that's going to be a mint.com or something like Northwestern Mutual, download those. What is an aggregator? It literally shows you your entire financial life in one place uh, with your full budget. I need an aggregator. Um, and it just, it really gives you the ability to to have all of those insights. So there's great companies like Chime. If you have credit card debt, there's companies like Tally. Um, if you need insurance of any kind, there's companies like Lemonade and Ladder and all of these great technologies that help you go and get your wallet well organized. You should also, everybody should download Credit Karma. It's a free app helps you track your credit score and also gives you all the alerts in case you have any security issues. So again, you should have a section on your phone for finance uh, with a handful of apps all right there. Awesome. What would you tell these entrepreneurs that are going to now approach you in mass to fund their companies? So I would say first build a company you love. So like, let's take you, Rebecca, you started a business in fashion and it's, it is you right in every way. And I always tell entrepreneurs, don't go because you want to be an entrepreneur, like intellectually build something that you don't give a darn about. Because once you sign up to go run that company, it is a decade. It is 15 years. Like anything worth doing takes 10 years. You sure as heck better love that topic. So if you're not a foodie, don't go launch a food platform. Like, <laughs> And if you're not like absolutely enamored with fashion, you know, personal finance, Jesus, like nobody likes personal finance. 
I went into it because I absolutely love helping America with their, its wallet. Right. Um, and so you really have to find something that like feeds your soul in a way that's not about success or money. And so I, I call it founder market fit, which is like you really need to find founders who um, love what they're building. And I'll give you a quick example. This amazing guy, uh, Jimmy, who founded a great company called Propel. Propel helps Americans on food stamps get access to tools. Jimmy actually knows what it's like to be on food stamps. And that for me, I like had this huge, amazing light bulb go off where I was like, that's exactly the sort of person you want to back is somebody who believes to their core in what they're building and helping the people that they want to go and support. Awesome. One thing I love to ask on the podcast is what would be surprised to know about you? Um, I mean, I think the like most obvious thing I just always like to say is like, I'm a totally normal human being in the sense of I didn't have, like, I don't have any superpowers. Like, I just believe in hard work. I fail all the time. I put my, like, funniest joke right now, it goes to my head every day, is, like, me time, which is, like, as a mom, like, me time is, like, when I actually get to wash my hair without a human climbing on me in the shower. Yes. Or, like, brushing your teeth while not also doing something else. Like, yes. Um, so I, like constantly in like writing SNL skits in my head and like my favorite one is about me time where it's like me hiding in the closet for like two minutes <laughs> by myself being like ah that could be a startup me, it could be a place time me, me time but I'm normal I drink wine hang out with my friends like barely make it to the gym when I want to and have all those basic normal challenges love it uh, Gavin and I, uh, we write a book in our heads called The One-Handed Parent. And it's all the things, all the skills you develop holding a toddler. All that the, is so great. Making lunch, <laughs> pumping while holding a toddler, yeah. you know, like opening up cans with your thighs, you know, just like just, all those things. You're like, it's really, it's amazing. <laughs> Me time plus The One-Handed Parent is like totally a skit that has to happen. Totally. Thank you so much for being here. I love being here and you are the best. Ah, uh, Thanks. That was Alexa. I feel like after listening to her, maybe I'm not doing enough in my life. So I'm going to go crawl into a hole and cry. No, I'm just kidding. I love listening to her story, um, what she's done, what she plans to do, and that she's just starting out on two next chapters, an impending baby and a new business. So I hope you enjoyed Alexa on Superwomen. Our next review is from Jamie Windau. First off, I love listening to all of these. I'm about halfway through all of them and find them so inspiring as a female founder and appreciate how knowledgeable, honest, and successful these women are. P.S. I love that you addressed the one-star review and think you did it in a very professional and authentic way. Thank you for such amazing content. You are so welcome, Jamie. And don't forget to rate, review, email, wherever you can listen Whatever you want to do, contact us and uh, send us your love. Thanks again for listening.